How you doing? Hi. Nice night. Mm-hmm. Pizza dude's got 30 seconds. Once again, Popheads, welcome to another spooktacular Halloween episode of the Tomcast Popcast. Coming to you once again from the safety of the Tom Cave because this time of year it is too scary to be outside. Cannot risk full moons, cannot risk Friday the 13th. Can't even, I can't even go to sleep this time of year. It's just not going to happen. My name is Tom. Thank you so much for listening to this quality independent pop culture podcast. Please be sure to follow us on social media at TomCastPopCast on Twitter and Instagram. You can email the show TomCastPopCast at gmail.com. Please make sure you're liking, subscribing, sharing the show with all your friends, family, loved ones, and even the ghosts and goblins knocking on your front door this time of year. Woo! I, I, I'm not real good at the scary noises. I'm sorry. I'm trying, and I'm failing miserably. Uh, we Remember, we are on all your favorite podcasting platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Pandora, Audible, Amazon, and so many, many more. If you're on Apple Podcasts and you want to support the show, sweet, sweet, sweet. Five-star reviews. They're like the sweetest of all the, all the trick-or-treat goodies you can possibly get. And maybe we'll have to ask our guests today about their favorite Halloween goodies. We'll, we'll, have, to see that. we'll have to see how this conversation goes today. Well, as, as mentioned, yeah, it's Halloween time. We are in the thick of it. And, you know, this week we're throwing a bit of a curveball at you. Uh, It's a little bit different. I'm going to tie it all together. I got a way to tie it together. You just have to come with me on the journey uh, to see where I'm going with this. Because I I bet you're looking at your podcast feeder and you're wondering, like, doesn't doesn't Tom do Halloween movies in, in October? Why are we watching the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles from 1990? Not so fast, my friends. Hold on. I'm going to tie this all in. It's going to make sense by the end. I hope. And we're going to get there. We're, I'm looking forward to having a really fun conversation. I've been wanting to talk about this flick for a long, long time. And and uh, like I said, I, I kind of came up with, an, uh, with a way to do that for one of our Halloween shows. And I cannot wait for you all to hear it because I think it's going to be a good one it's going to be a good one it, we, you, you might see behind the curtain far too much you might get to see a part of me in my past that uh, maybe it'd be better if you didn't but still we're gonna, I'm going to give you that peek and it's up to you to turn away or to gaze on in horror at what you see <laughs> alright let's get into the show proper but before we do that we do have to thank the official members of Pophead Nation, which you can become by heading over to patreon.com forward slash TomCastPopCast. You can join the nation, gain access to the sweet bonus content. Thank you to our current Patreons, the Aspen Hill Chody, the Batman of Bay Park, Jeff Nail, Jeff, co-hosting The Ringing Air, a great music podcast. Check them out. Thanks, Evil Circle, the evilest of all circles, especially this time of year. The Squidmaster General, Brian Broussard, the New Jersey Devil, Mark Wegemer, 
our very own Joker and Harley Quinn, Brian and Krista of Pride Brewing Company, right here in San Diego, California, and coming soon to Baltimore, Maryland. Get ready. Yes, getting closer and closer day by day. And of course, the Beer Hub Brigadier General, Jesus Beer Hops. Thank you all so much for sticking around, making sure this show gets better and better, holding my feet to the fire and demanding improvements every single episode. And I appreciate that so, so much. All right, like I said, we're going to get into it. It's it's, uh, it's Halloween, and we're doing the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles from 1990. And I, like I said, I know you're wondering. You're 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 like what what how's he going to tie this in? And I'm not going to uh, di- divulge my secrets right now. We will save that for the conversation itself. Uh, but I do want to make sure you know as 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 we are want to do. We I want to give credit where credit is due. And this movie is directed by Steve Barron. It is written by uh, Bobby Herbeck and Todd W. Langan. They wrote it and did the screenplay. And I, I, I guess our, our, our biggest stars are, are Judith Hogue and Elias Koteas. So, giving them their credit. But, like, listen, it's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So we have to give some, some credit to Josh Pius, David Foreman, Brian Tochi, and Leif Tilden. Now, of course, there's other actors that come and play here, especially, you know, like Donatello. Everyone knows that Corey Feldman is Donatello's voice, but he's not in the costume. So I guess we also have to recognize Michelin Sisti, Robbie Wrist, Kevin Clash's Splinter, and you know what, let's give a little little shout-out to uh, James Saito as the Shredder. And you may be wondering, why didn't I say Raphael's name twice? Well, that's because uh, Josh Pius was one of the only ones who was the voice and the guy in the costume. So a lot of hard work on that part. We'll talk about those costumes uh, in more depth. We are linking up once again with my brother Mark. Uh, he is the vital link to the past. He is... Uh, the <laughs> he's the link to my Zelda, if you will. So there we go. And now I just made it about Nintendo games. It's it's all happening. We're going back in time. This episode is gonna be a time warp. So get ready for that. All right. You know what's coming next. You know what you have to do. Time to sit down, buckle up, hold on to your butts, and buckle up again. Let's go. What the heck was that? Looked like sort of a big title. In a trench coat. You're going to LaGuardia, right? Hey, he's back. Joining us once again from the internet. The mighty, mighty internet. My brother, my dear companion, <laughs> Mark is here to help uh, help us celebrate some Halloween stuff and, and talk about, uh, help us go through the time warp, basically, because we're going back in time today, my friend. Mark, how are you doing? Great to have you on the show again. I'm good. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing a okay. Um, I tend to forget to this step of the of the show uh, whenever I have uh, you or Reagan on because I just want to dive into the conversation because I'm I'm so keyed up for what we're going to talk about. But uh, do you do you have a tasty beverage with you today? I do. I have uh, Ennegrin's lightest one, their Munich style Hellas Lager. Yeah, you know I like that one. Yeah, it's a favorite of mine. Yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm helping Coronado Brewing celebrate their 25th anniversary by drinking their San Diego style IPA. It's uh, 7.5% and it is awesome. All right. I might be slurring the words by the end of this podcast. We'll see how it goes. Uh-oh. What's what? the ABV? 7.5. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no worries. It's all good. I wasn't listening to you either. It's fine. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, so let's get into this. Uh, I, I, I asked you to come back 
this is sort of a weird choice. I understand. I mean, people are probably in their in their podcast feed and they're kind of scratching their head because they they know that on the Tomcast podcast when it comes to October, uh, we we do Halloween stuff. We do scary movies and and the things you'll put on during Halloween time. So they're probably wondering like, why the hell are they, are they watching Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles from 1990? And the real question that should ask themselves is. Why aren't we all watching this movie more often? Wouldn't you agree? Yes. <laughs> uh, uh, you and I are are big fans of of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. We got into this. Is this is this is probably like our last great like cartoon toy hurrah, right? Before we sort of became teenagers and our parents just you know sort of discouraged us from having toys anymore. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, and why I tied this into Halloween is because of you, honestly. Because and maybe my maybe my oh, memory yeah. is is playing tricks on me. But to me, you had the ultimate Halloween costume inspired by Michelangelo of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It was yes. insanely epic. I mean, it's a whole it was a homemade costume. Our mom made this thing. You were like you, you know, you had to do all your all the bottling stuff for it. Like you were the you were the mannequin. You had to do all that work yeah. for it. And yeah. it was so damn impressive and so yeah. great. And everything should have worked out perfectly except it was like the hottest Halloween in like the history of Maryland. Yes. And you almost died. <laughs> I almost died and I think Similar to the actor who plays Raphael in this first movie, I also discovered that I have some claustrophobia, <laughs> and I did not like being in that mask at all. At all. Yeah. Yeah. By the end of the night, you were uh, you were, I don't know, I don't want to say you were a broken person, but you were badly damaged. It was a, it was an experience. Yeah, I, I was just drenched in sweat. Drenched in sweat. The costume was drenched in sweat, which made it heavier and probably awkward to be in. And, and it, yeah, yeah. But it. Um, but again, at the beginning of the night, you looked fantastic, and it's seared into my brain as one of the best homemade Halloween costumes I've ever seen. Thank you. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> of course. Well, you know, we'll we'll talk to her about it later. That's not on the podcast, though. Right. <laughs> so that was one of the one, sort of like the inspiration for getting into this movie for Halloween time. Uh, as opposed to just kind of going through our, our uh, normal routine of, of investigating, like, you know, great horror movies or, you know, just kind of fun Halloween shenanigans, you know? Yeah. So that was the inspiration for this. And I'm so excited that we got to watch this movie uh, because I, I think for me it had been, I want to say, 20 to 25 years minimum since I'd seen this last. Is that about the same for you or had you watched it more recently? About the same. I, I, I don't even remember the last time I watched it. I might have watched it in the late 90s. I'm not 100% sure, but, but it had definitely been over 20 years. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, again, like I said, we were big fans back in the day. Like I mean, The cartoon came out in, like, what, 87 or whatever? And then, you know, production of this movie started in 89. It came out in 90. Uh, it, yeah. And... and would it would it surprise you to know, Mark, that this movie was was filmed for like something like thirteen million dollars? I thought it was seven. Uh, the budget I saw on IMDb was was thirteen five, I believe. Okay. All right. 
And let me double check that stat right now. Yeah, thirteen five is the estimated budget. In its opening okay. weekend, it made um, it made over twenty five million dollars U.S. Yeah, it would go on to make one hundred thirty five million U.S. And worldwide gross was over two hundred thousand dollars, two hundred million dollars. Excuse me. $200,000. Yeah. Massive mega hit at $200,000. Yeah. yeah, no, uh, $200 million. Pretty impressive. Very. Now, I, I, I think one of the things that... Uh, uh, go ahead. Actually, you know what? I'm going to turn it over to you. I want you to talk about this movie a little bit. Again, when we were kids, we, I know we loved this movie. We watched the crap out of it in the theaters. We saw it in VHS a million times. Um, yeah. We ate all the pizza. We we got into all the crossover stuff, all the all the cross promotional materials. We bought in on all of it. Like, yeah. We we were uh, turtle powered till we die, right? Yeah. <laughs> what was it like for you to go back and watch this flick? It was fun, you know. <laughs> um, I think because you know it still has a pretty strong following. Like it has some some very faithful fans, and I had been meaning to give it a rewatch because, you know, there, there is this following that, you know, they say it, it, it's a movie that holds up. It's, it's still a good movie. Um, so I was curious to, to go back to it and, and, and yeah, it was, it was fun for that reason. It was fun for nostalgic reasons. And, and, uh, it was fun just because I, I really enjoyed watching the movie. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I had a I had a really good time watching it. I had some some movie problems with it, and we'll, we'll talk about those a little bit later. But obviously, with this, the the nostalgia is really high. I still think the turtle costumes are pretty darn good. You know, I really like the look of the turtles in the, in these movies, like the Jim Henson Studios. Not, I feel like they knocked this out of the park. They definitely did. I I, I think the the suits look great, and I think. I, th I think they look better than any any iteration of the turtles that that we've had since. Yeah, and and like I said, I do have some problems with it, but the the movie by and large, despite its simplicity, plays well. You know what I mean? Yeah, I I thought it was great. I I really loved watching it. No, nope. and I I don't think that's for nostalgia reasons. Let me ask you this question, and I feel like this is a conversation. Actually, I, I should mention another reason why I've been wanting to do this podcast is because I have been. Uh, revisiting my turtle love over like the last year or so uh, by re oh. I, by rereading the original uh, Eastman and Laird comic books, and then uh, I've I've started dipping my toe into the new ones that uh, that IDW has been publishing for like the last you know I don't know eight or nine years, and uh, I'm really enjoying it. So it, it's kind of got me I don't know like like real excited about Ninja Turtle stuff again for the first time since I don't know I was like 14 or 13 or something. Okay. <laughs> so, well, so so yeah, I was dying to watch this. You'll have to be the go-to comic book resource guy because I, despite my love for the Turtles, have never read a Ninja Turtles comic because I think by the time you and I were reading comics, it just, Turtle Mania had kind of died down a bit. And I guess, I don't know, it seemed like they weren't really publishing Turtle comics at that, I at that time. I think at that point, the, the, the comics that were being published were, um, were, th were through Archie. And they were oh, okay. very much... You know the cartoon, the animated the cartoon. series, okay. and you know again, while while the animated series is where we kind of got our tur turtle fandom from, um, I think I think by the time we were teenagers, though, we were like, well, that's great, we we love that version of the turtles, but you know, 
what's this like dark turtles that we've heard about from the comic books you know like this darker take on the on the characters that was kind of yeah. represented in the movie actually and yes. that was going to be like that's sort of my knock on the picture and i'll just get this out of the way right now is i think this movie the 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 problem this movie has to me the problem this movie has and it does not detract much from my enjoyment of it on on, on certain levels but because I'm old, <laughs> I I can kind of see that like some chinks in the in the in the in the armor, right? I I I feel this movie serves is trying to serve two masters, and in by doing so, it doesn't really serve any masters. It it's uh, visually it's very much inspired by the comic books, uh, but the popularity of the show, the 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 people that were going to the theater in droves to see this were the ones like us who were fans from the cartoon from the animated series. And so like, it, it tries to kind of hybridize both things. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And I don't know if you disagree with me or what you think of that, but I was, I was curious if you had an opinion on that. I think I completely disagree. Because okay. I, was, okay. I was watching it and I thought that they were very smart to incorporate elements from the cartoon. To me, it's just unbal- It's a little unbalanced, I guess. I think they work it in there pretty well. I I, I think it's a a pretty harmonious synergy between the two. Oh, okay. Oh, that's interesting because I I, I I I couldn't help but think watching watching this again and again we watched the movie hundreds of times on VHS. Yeah. We wore that tape out. Um, now, yeah, go ahead. No, I'll just say like, look, I like some of the humor. I think is. A little bit dated. Oh, some of it's very much dated. Casey Jones has got one line in particular. That I'm like, oof, that ain't gonna work nowadays. Yeah, I think I know which one you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I think despite that, no, I, I, I think it works well. I, I, I think the two elements still work well together because, I mean, you know, look, it was made in 1990, so yes, there is some humor that is that is of that time referencing things. Closer to that time, mm-hmm. um, that you know, an audience today might not necessarily recognize or might think like that. Well, that's an old joke. Like, who tells jokes like that anymore? But yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. Obviously, incorporating the elements of the animated series was important, but I think you also got a lot of kids into that movie theater and you showed them something they weren't used to seeing, which was a darker version of the turtles. I, I you know, I'm not going to go as far as to say it was bait and switch by any means because they they tried. To keep it kind of light at the same time, like I said, I just, I, it's just to me, it just feels like it's it's trying to be two things to two, two different groups of people. But I think okay, that I'm just saying, like I think as a kid, like I really appreciated that. I didn't even like I didn't know the comic books, but I liked how grim and gritty and ugly and hard it kind of looked. It would, you know, it just it made sense because especially at the time as a kid, you know, we, you know, growing up in the eighties, like, you know, New York was a dirty cesspool. <laughs> it was a cesspool of crime and filth. Exactly. And, and I, I thought they, they really, uh, encapsulated that perfectly. No, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. I think, the, I think the, the, my sort of stumbling way of saying it is, is that is like, you know, we were fans of the cartoon and we saw a, a, a very legitimate comic book adaptation honestly and i yeah. think for a long time like we were we didn't i mean again we just enjoyed it because it was ninja turtles I, I i think now i'm just trying to like i see that now i'm like oh this is more like what eastman and Laird did 
than what we saw when we were watching the cartoon because that was again what yeah. we were familiar with. That's all I'm trying to say. Yeah. Again, like I said, maybe I as maybe as a kid, I was just I just I don't know. Maybe I was carefree enough to just say, well, I like both versions, so who cares? Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think at the time, like I didn't even realize that's what was going on. I think for me, it was just like, right. oh, they're changing things. That you know, the, the car, like you know, this is what I've always thought the turtles' origin was. But what they were doing was it was a really faithful adaptation of the original source material, not what was changed for the cartoon. And I, it, it took a long time for right. me to know that. Yeah. You know, I mean, and like a lot of elements from the film are are straight from the comic books. I mean, like like the whole farmhouse stuff. You know, after they've been defeated by by Shredder and everything. You know. Okay. Yeah, a lot cool. of that's like out of the book. You know, so they they yeah. so it is very faithful to that but you know it does bring in the elements from the cartoon you know each of the ninja turtles has their distinctive color you know they right. have their I, I think they even have like their they, their initial on the on their belt buckles you know so like you still have those visual elements for the 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 younger people in the audience yeah they it, it was only it was only the the mask color that that they kept there were no no initials on okay on I, I was trying to think back i could not remember for the life of me i did not make a note of that <laughs> but yeah. thank you for for having that information handy i appreciate that one of the things that in a, we are going to break down and we are going to talk about the movie in, in a minute, but one of the things I did want to talk about as well, and I remember this at the time and even being somewhat baffled by it, but in, in my research of, for the film, this, this was talked about a lot too, uh, like, like, like parent groups and, and even people who were in the movie sort of being, um, sort of saying that it's really violent. It's really violent. Yes. Like, like being a target of, of like, of, of, you know, not for kids, basically, because it's too violent. And I, I cannot help. Back in the day, I didn't agree with this, and even by today's, by today's standards, it's like you're joking, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like that is a completely ludicrous claim. But I am not a parent, so maybe a, a parent can reach out and let me know that uh, I am dead wrong. You know, I think. I, I mean, one, I, I completely agree. You know, as a kid, like that's that's what you wanted. Um, you know, th these are teenage mutant ninja turtles. It's, 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 it's in the name of the product. Like they're supposed to fight. And, um, so I think as a kid, you're just like, yes, more of that, please. Um, right. But it's still, it wasn't like die hard. I mean, or are we just kind well, of comparing it to like family no, film standards? No, I know. And that's what I'm saying. It's okay. like, like, I, I agree with you, you know, and, and going back and, and watching it again is like, yeah, I mean, the, the violence is, pretty cartoonish and and silly it's 1990 these are actors these are stuntmen in very heavy costumes awkward bulky to move around in so you know the yeah. fight scenes are gonna be with what you know are they kind of i don't want to say they are what they are because they, they went to great lengths to try and make it look you know good like they they shot them in slower yeah. speeds would play them back faster so it looks like they're moving better more dynamically but yeah. you know you could only do so much you know like like it's very obvious that it, it well obvious is not maybe the word I want to use, but it, it it's sort of interesting to note that when a lot of the turtles are fighting the Foot Clan, you know it's very much it's one on one, and there's like three yeah. Foot guys waiting to go next. You know it's yeah no one's attacking in unison here like you would think in a real kind of ninja battle, but that's okay. I mean again you're sort of limited by those those big bulky costumes. Yeah, I mean they do get around it in in the second one, but. In the second one, they do get around a little bit more. I think they they managed to somehow lighten up the suits a little bit, and and they uh, did, yeah, okay. take some of that that padding out. Maybe the the heavy uh, um, animatronic stuff they were in the in, that was in the heads for the faces. Yeah, apparently, um, 
like one of the one of the big motors for the animatronics was placed in the shell in the original and then in the second one my understanding is that they were able to remove that completely and put smaller motors in the in the masks themselves and yeah. and it definitely lightened the load gotcha. for the actors oh, so no it's it's cool it, it's uh like I said, I think the turtles look fantastic. I really do. I like their look. Yeah. I like the way they sort of move. Uh, everything about it. I mean, it it looks like what what Kevin Eastman drew. It yeah. looks very reminiscent of what we saw on the animated series. So in in that regards, I think it it checks both boxes off for everybody because I yeah. think they look great. And you know, I'm not going to go down the road with with Michael Bay's movie necessarily, but to me, those turtles just look weird still. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I I couldn't get through fifteen or twenty minutes of that first one. <laughs> it's, it's rare that I turn off a movie, and I was just like, "No, thank you." Yeah, we'll have to do a we'll have to do a Michael Bay episode where we talk about that one. <laughs> I, you know, I would love to because I, this definitely this made me want to go back and watch them. I was like, ah, maybe I should give them a chance. You, you know, know? It, it was funny. I, I did look when I went uh, for anyone out there. I mean. Hopefully by the time this episode airs, this is still true. Uh, we were able to watch these on HBO Max. They had all three of the originals and uh, the animated movie as well from like Which I was a big fan of. That was a great one with Patrick Stewart. That was fantastic. Was he in that? Yeah, I, I don't remember. He, I think he's the bad guy. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah, we were able to watch them on HBO Max, but yeah, unfortunately they, they did not have uh, the Michael Bay ones. So we'll have to figure something else out for that. If we were to I think those are somewhere else. I don't think those are Time Warner. No, I think they're Paramount. They might be on like Paramount Plus or something. Yeah. Be my guess, because I think that's what, what I think is where Michael Bay lives is at Paramount. Yes, actually. Yeah, you're right about that. So. Yeah, yeah. So I, l I wanted to give a little bit of background real quick, just for anyone who, who doesn't know the story. But uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is basically inspired by Daredevil. Daredevil, Elektra, and The Hand. The ninja, the ninja clan, the hand, and this. I knew that about riff. the foot. I didn't know that the comic is, itself was inspired. By it. Yeah, there's there if you, in the early issues, there's even like an like an Electra ish character. Okay. So yeah, there's a lot of, of fun stuff. You know, they they were, they were kind of going off what Frank Miller was doing with Daredevil back in the day when it was you know when Daredevil was the like, preeminent Marvel superhero for during that time period. Uh, That's cool. And again, it's a dark, grim, gritty book, like what we saw in the film, and that was what. The, the the Kevin Eastman Peter Laird comic book was as well. So if you go back, if anyone wants to go back and pick those up, like that's what you're gonna get. They're very adult oriented. They are um, well adult oriented in the sense of the violence and the grittiness, not because it's like you know naked turtles doing inappropriate things to each other. It's not that book. Thank you for clarifying. Yeah, I wanted to make sure. I didn't want you to pick one up by mistake looking for turtle porn and uh, be disappointed. I was definitely wondering. <laughs> And hoping. <laughs> so that, and that's how this movie starts. Let's transition into the film. You know, we, we come into New York City, sort of, not really, but we're going to say it's New York City because that's where they, the movie's set. Right. It turns out they filmed a lot of this in North Carolina. That was interesting to read. Um, and yeah, this New York and a crime wave that, like you said, that, that New York that we kind of grew up with, uh, it's a cesspool of crime and filth, and there's a crime wave happening and it's uh, all these kids are like boosting TVs and, and VHSs and stuff like that. And uh, the the city is in terror, Mark. And the police are ineffectual. We have vigilantes yes. like Casey Jones, even though they haven't talked about Casey Jones yet. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it's very much like those movies, the, like the, the the New York City we've seen from like Death Wish or, or any of those kind of grim '80s flicks, you know? Yeah. 
And this, this is how we're introduced to uh, April O'Neil, who is is reporting on the crime wave. And it, I kind of I did sort of like the way they intersplice like her news report and you know us watching the crime wave happening. Yeah, I thought it was great. I I I, I really like that opening monologue that that she does that her her news report. It sounds. I, th- I think it's actually very good writing. It sounds like a real news report. Yeah, it, 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 I thought it was a nice touch, a way, nice way to introduce us to what's going on there. Um, where do we go? Where do we go from there, though, Mark? I don't know if I want to talk about Judith Hogue or if I want to just keep talking about the movie. How do do you like her as Rachel, as as April O'Neil? I guess I'll just put it out there right away. Um, I do. And I was curious. Uh, I I'd never heard the explanation as to why she never came back. And apparently, because they never asked her to. <laughs> well, and do you know why? Uh, apparently, she was a bit of a monster. Well, I don't know about monster, but apparently, yeah, she was a bit of a complainer. And um, and at the time, she was one of those people who who had problems with the film's violence. Yes, as she... if she wasn't there noticing what was happening right she was very outspoken about the level of violence in the film um she was also uh dead set against wearing uh april o'neill's trademark yellow jumpsuit and uh apparently she was very annoyed that they were trying to film this movie in six days yes (laughs) so i think all those things uh amounted to uh when this was a success they're like you know what we can get another april o'neill dude and look i don't blame her for the yellow jumpsuit thing is that is that really super important i mean probably not <laughs> but you know, you know did didn't she have like white boots to go with it they're just gonna go all the way and do that as well yeah i mean you're you're, yeah. you're not wrong sir yeah. but uh, so it's it's after april uh makes the broadcast that she's attacked by a gang of street toughs ruffians if you will yes and is a uh, saved in the dark, by Ninja Turtles, and I like this scene a lot too. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I think it works very well. I think it's a great introduction to the turtles themselves that we don't see them, and that you know keeps it kind of hidden. And all we get get of them is that shot of of Raph looking up through the uh, through the through the manhole, mm-hmm. trying 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 to find an opportunity to get his side back. And I think it's called know, a person hole now, Mark. What's that? I think it's called a person hole. Okay. <laughs> no time That's... for my politically correct jokes. <laughs> well, you can call it that. <laughs> I won't. So, <laughs> one of the things, again, this is, uh, so now we cut down into the sewers and, and we, we're, we're seeing uh, the boys for the first time, Leonardo, yeah. Donatello, uh, uh, Raphael, and Michelangelo, right? Yes. And I've, I've <laughs> what happens next, I feel like is is one of those those two master things I was talking about earlier where we get the the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles logo from the cartoon yes just emblazoned on the screen as we, as we begin it. to see our heroes no I love it too but again this I, I think this is like that two master thing that I sort of was was uh, talking about earlier but it's it's like oh here this is for the for the kids in the audience I'll throw this banner up boom turtles this, I, I mean yeah you, like you're probably right but at the same time I also just feel like that like that's a better looking logo than what they had for the comics. 
like the comics were just like big block letters. <laughs> no, you're not wrong. And, and, and that is a fantastic design that has stood up for 30 plus years for a reason. You're not wrong. And I, 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 I apologize if I'm coming across uh, like, like a negative and being shitty about it. I'm not. I'm trying really not to be. I enjoy like, these little touches. I, I'm just trying to be uh, observant and, and offer some some criticisms, I suppose, for it, the sake of the podcast. It, it definitely stands out, but um, but yeah, I, I, the movie is still a kids' movie, and so I, I guess I just don't mind it for that reason. Well, again, I mean, this is that dichotomy, you know, like it, it's a kids' movie, but they're doing the the grim, gritty version of the turtles, and it's like, oh, is that gonna work? And it, 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 it I'm not saying it doesn't. I'm just saying it's okay. Okay, I'm gonna back off this now. It's like grim and gritty as well. <laughs> I understand. I understand. I do. I, again, I'm not trying to uh, uh, destroy anyone's uh, opinions of this movie because I understand <laughs> that we all love this movie. I love this movie. I'm just trying to have a conversation and be critical about it. Doesn't mean That's I don't fine. love it. Uh, this is also the sweet synthesizer theme song of the Turtles. And yes. I, I know you love that too. I do. <laughs> what else? What else you want to talk about from this opening? I mean, now we're we're in the we're in the sewers. We're going to their lair. We're hanging out with the boys. They're going to have some pizza. We get to see Splinter. Uh, uh, any observations from this sequence? I mean, not really. I, I think it I think it looks great. I think it holds up. That's it. Yeah, I think I think the Splinter uh, puppet looks really great, too. I, th- I think that's a good-looking uh, yeah. rat ninja master. Yeah, it's wonderful. All right. It's at this point, like I said, the boys are having pizza, but Raphael's upset he lost his sigh. He's he wants to try and go get it back, but he, they're telling him, "Don't worry about it. It's just a sigh. We'll get you another one. It's no big deal." Um, where do Ninja Turtles buy their ninja equipment in New York City, Mark? I imagine they just steal it. Whoa, whoa! <laughs> That's a bold claim. They're supposed to be maybe ending they, the crime wave. Maybe not, <laughs> not starting it. <laughs> may, maybe they got a you know. Um, like a, a a forge down there where they just they 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 forge their weapons. We just don't see it. Before we talk about, I mean, I guess it's a possibility, Mark. But I guess maybe we'll just go with the whole like, yeah, you know what, the sewer. It's a it's a treasure trove. <laughs> I think that I think that is kind of what they're going for. <laughs> we do have to talk about real quickly the um, the fact that in this movie, the paid product placement for this movie is Domino's Pizza. Domino's Pizza all over the place. And I bet they were super excited to be the featured pizza in this movie. I think they were. And then behind the scenes, the film studio cuts a deal with Pizza Hut for promotional rights (laughs) after the movie. Can you believe that stuff? Yeah, that's right. I I totally forgot about that. I I, I didn't think about that. but, But I think in like part two, there is no specific brand no there isn't and i wonder if that was due to that that whole country because i'm sure domino's was not stoked that about that yeah no definitely not i did think that was hilarious and it made it again it flashed me back to when we were kids and i I think it was right around this time when when pizza finally started delivering so we were able to take advantage of it and get all like the ninja Ninja turtle goodies they were offering at the time yes because we had lots of it Lots of Ninja Turtle goodies, and again, Pizza Lots Friday. Of... Pizza Friday was a thing in our house for my entire life. Yep. 
It still is. I don't even live at home, and it's, I still have Pizza Friday. All right. <laughs> uh, I, I sometimes do. Oh, nope. Every Friday, pizza. All right. This is how we roll. It's good. <laughs> so, okay, uh, again, Raphael's out. He's at the movie. He's watching Critters. Do you respect that? <laughs> I love it. I I love it. And it's interesting because I, I was wondering if there was some connection between Critters and this movie, but I, I don't think there is. Um, and I had heard somewhere that um, originally it was supposed to be Batman. I had heard that too, yeah, that they wanted it to yeah. be Batman. Yeah, but um, but didn't work out that way. Did not work out that way. So we get Raphael stopping a uh, a mugger. And this is where he encounters Casey Jones, as Casey Jones is going to go beat up those 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 street toughs. Yeah. And he gets into an altercation with Raphael. Uh, talk to me about Casey Jones. Any any good vibes, bad vibes? How do you feel about Elias as Casey Jones? I love it. I love him. Elias Coteus as as Casey Jones. I th- I think he's wonderful, and I think the character himself is 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 wonderful. I love that badass hockey mask he has in this in this movie. I think it's great. It took me a long time to really kind of connect the dots that he's sort of like a Frank Castle-esque character in a lot of ways. You know, he's just like the guy who's been pushed too far, and now he's going to fight back against all the crime in his city. I guess so. I mean, I want to go Frank Castle because, I mean, it's a very different origin story. Right, but it does it does complete the Daredevil metaphor, too. At least the Daredevil metaphor, yeah. So, I mean, you're not wrong, but again, he walks around with baseball bats and a hockey mask and, and, and apparently a cricket bat as well. Any any kind of he's a sports enthusiast. <laughs> I want to pause right here because it's it's just during this sequence that we kind of get our first big glimpse at like Raphael's personality, and yes. and I kind of want to talk about that and and that of the the four turtles because that's that's always been one of the really fun elements of the Ninja Turtles is is their very distinct personalities. Yeah, and I think they do a pretty decent job in the in this first one of of making sure that we know that. Uh, they are different and distinct. Particularly Raphael and Michelangelo stand out. Um, Donatello and Leo still kind of blend a little bit, but I, Leo, you can tell Leo's kind of like the the, the you know the straight A student one, right? <laughs> but I mean, I don't know. Did, does all that work for you, or did you find any of it wasn't as defined as you'd like it to be? Um, it all works for me, but yeah, I think you're right that Leonardo and Donatello get. I don't want to say pushed aside. But yeah, they're definitely a little more in the background, especially Leonardo. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think he was the most sort of ill-defined of, of the group because with Donatello, you know, we get his interactions with Casey Jones when they're on the farm, and I think we, you know, we see a little bit more of Donatello being kind of the uh, the the nerdy, sciencey one, right? Uh, Whereas Leonardo being the leader of the group kind of doesn't really stand out all that much, um, especially because he has the line where he says, like, I never said I was the leader of the group. Mm-hmm. So, you know, but but it is there that he, you know, he's kind of, of all the turtles, I guess you would say he's the straight man. Do you think it was it's sort of the intention of the script to have it a, a, a bit more focused on Raphael because he is sort of like an agitator for the story? I mean, I think so. I think I, he's definitely kind of the main character mm-hmm. 
of the movie. It, 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 it follows Raphael more than it does any of the other turtles. So, but, it, yeah, but, I definitely but, say that's... It, yeah, but it also, in a sense, it also follows Raphael to his own detriment because he gets his butt beat up a lot in this movie. Well, yeah, because I think, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, that's kind of the point of the story, which is that, you They're know, Raphael is always trying to be the, uh, the, the tough loner. And then, but it's about, you know, brotherhood and how, um, you know, we, we rely on, on, on each other to, to get through. And so, so yeah, he gets his butt handed to him and then humbled and, then the team the team is able to kind of form and and be more cohesive. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, Splinter says that in in that that opening scene in the sewer lair. You know, he's right. like, he says that he's like, "Hey, Raphael, <laughs> your brothers know to be part of a team. Why don't you?" <laughs> Which they that's the scene in in the candlelight, right? Um, when he comes back from so. his confrontation with I Casey, think so, yes, that is a wonderful scene and. The, the animatronics on Raphael's face during that conversation are 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 just perfect. Like the the emotion in 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 that that latex mask's face, mm-hmm. I, I I thought was great. And one thing I really liked about this movie is the cinematography, and there there was a lot of good, I think, creative camera work in this film too. And I, and in that scene in particular, I think it, it all kind of really came together and shined. Yeah, you're not wrong. I mean, like, between the animatronic turtle and, and the pretty impressive, um, you know, splinter puppet they're using, you know, yeah, yeah. You're, I think you are uh, dead on with that. Uh, it's shortly after this that we, we get to see a little glimpse into uh, April O'Neil's life with her boss yelling at her and his weird son who wears, like, Sid Vicious t-shirts everywhere. Yeah, it's his thing. Yeah, <laughs> I guess I'm curious what you think of the, of that aspect of the storyline with the with the kid. I can't, I'm blanking on his name. I want to say it was like John or something like that. Uh, Danny. Danny, thank you. Um, no, I liked it. I think just simply because um, that was always kind of an element of the cartoon. The turtles were always interacting with with uh, human kids from from time to time. So it, uh, you know, I I, th- I thought it worked. Do you like the the use of the kids as sort of uh, the like tools of the Foot Clan and and Shredder and whatever his vague ultimate plan is? Uh yeah. <laughs> okay, fine. Easy answer. I like it. All right. <laughs> I you know, I don't, I I don't see any any real problems with it. Sort of dejected youth looking for for a cause. Why not? All right. So April has another scathing report about the crime wave. She doesn't really seem to be making any progress on like getting behind anything or, or like uncovering anything. They're just, they, the, the, the bad guys just don't want her talking about it anymore, right? You know, she's she's well. Like, go ahead. Well, no, I was just going to say, like in her first report, she's just talking about the crime wave itself. But then in the second report, she starts talking about the Foot Clan, which we have no idea how she got that information at all. Well, according to her, she had just been speaking to Japanese Americans in recent days. Didn't see And they were it. telling her about this thing that happened in Japan. Well, so the Foot Clan is going to come after April O'Neil once again, this time in the subways. She's on the only empty subway platform I've ever seen in New York City. 
Um, and then Raphael, who's been following her because he wants his side back, uh, yes. intercedes, rescues her, and takes her uh, to their lair to meet Splinter and the boys. And that's that's, right. that's how uh, April Neal comes into the confidence of the turtles. And they are they Splinter shares their origin story, uh, yes. which is uh, shown to us via uh, Super 8 footage. Yes. Interesting. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was, you know, it's a silly scene and, you know, it raises some questions like, you know, okay, they crawled around in some ooze, they mutated and, you know, they, they just automatically speak English, I guess, I guess in the pet store where they were, maybe they just, they just heard it, so. Oh yeah, they get, they get that TV, they start to figure it out, I mean, they're, you know, maybe yeah. they're just clued into their environment. Well, no, but I mean, I mean, like in that in that little flashback, we see them eating pizza, and they're just like pizza, pizza. This is before they have a that's, TV. That's true. That's so, true. so in my head, I'm just thinking, well, you know, they were in a pet store, presumably before they heard the owners speaking. So maybe that's where that comes from. Yeah, I, I'm willing. I'm willing to go with that. That sounds fine to me. All right. <laughs> so we get we get another scene with April and her boss. And 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 Danny, who uh, now it sees that the turtles are in her house, and he thinks he's going crazy, and then he's like, you know, does bad things. Was it in this scene or this first scene that he steals like the money from her wallet? I think it's the first the scene. First, the first scene. Yeah, the yeah. first scene he lifts like, like what twenty, forty bucks, something like that, off her purse. I think it's just eight twenty. Oh, okay. All right, something like that. But yeah, this time he's in the in the, he's in her apartment, and he sees that the turtles are there, and uh, this will lead to bad things later. But this is where we get to cut to our 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 youth our mis uh, misguided youth hangout. Yeah. Which I don't know. It's a scary abandoned building that seems that still has power. They play all the arcade games. They're gambling. They're playing roulette. Uh, they're smoking the ciggies, playing pool. I don't know. I, does, does this look fun to you? <laughs> I guess is my question. Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> You'd be into this. Uh, you know, maybe. I don't know. I would have felt so out of place. <laughs> I, I would have wanted to fit in here so badly, but I, I know I wouldn't have. Well, yeah, I mean, the whole join us or get the shit kicked out of you. It's not, it's not really much of an incentive. Well, I mean, even just like the you know the hanging around and playing the, the arcade game sounds like a lot of fun, but I you know I, I don't think I'd be a good thief for them. Let's put it that way. I don't think I'd be earning my my keep for very long there before I got beat up. You know they train you. Just, yeah, they they have a program. I don't know. I'm a pretty clumsy kid. I don't think it could be a very good pickpocket. You know, when you got Tatsu training you. you never know what you're capable of. Tatsu, can we talk about Tatsu for a moment? This man, sure. he might have the easiest job in this film. He just yells and grunts and frowns the entire movie. That's all he does. That's the extent of his existence. He's great. He has like one judo chop. <laughs> in, the, in, the, in the movie, and that's it. Well, he he kicks the shit out of that one Foot Clan member. Um, he knocks over some boxes. He beats up Casey Jones. He's got, <laughs> I feel like he's got a lot to do. All right, maybe the Casey Jones thing. I'll give, I'll give you that. Uh, this this scene right here is of note because I didn't know this until watching this recently. I I had to pause the screen. I was like, wait a second, I know that kid. And that kid I'm referring to is, seems to be like, sort of like the the one of the like the leaders, one of the the I don't know. I guess we'll just go with leader of the, of the of the street toughs. 
sure. offering cigarettes to, to minors, as one does yeah. when, you, when you're a leader of Street Toughs. None other than Justin Hammer himself, Sam Rockwell. Yes. What a delight. Yeah. Did, did you realize that Sam Rockwell was in this, or were you as surprised as I was? No, I had, I had known he was in it for a little while. Oh. I didn't know you uh, were a uh, Sam Rockwell enthusiast to this level. Sure, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Dave, no, I think I, I just heard it somewhere along the way, and um, I, I, I heard it somewhere that, that Sam Rockwell, like, hey, did you know Sam Rockwell's in the original Ninja Turtles? And it immediately clicked in my brain, like, oh, yeah, that is him. That's, like, like he's he's the, the leader of the street toughs, as, as you say. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I can see that. I could also call them street urchins, if you'd like. If we can go back to Dickens. Whatever. <laughs> All right, fine. You're not having you're not you're not having any of my Dickensian sense of humor either. All right, moving on. Uh, this is also the scene where we finally, for the first time, see and meet the Shredder. Well, sort of. We we see him before when he gives the order to silence April O'Neil. Right, but now we really get to see the Shredder. Now we really get to see him. We get to see the full gear. Yeah, in all his shredding glory. Yes. I I want you to talk to me about. Can you can you talk to me about the Shredder? Like your impressions of him in this movie versus the the Shredder that we kind of grew up with. I, you know, I I I think he's great in this. He he definitely has a real menace about him. He has a real presence whereas i think in in the cartoon you know he's just kind of a just kind of a clown and uh but he, ha he has some... better lines in the cartoon what's that i like in the version of the cartoon because he has better lines i don't remember his lines from, uh, from i mean the... the way he would taunt the turtles and you know like all the like tonight we dine on turtle soup stuff like that like those are classic yeah no the yeah the, those are good but i mean you know we're also we're also telling the origin story here so you know, maybe we could have built up to that, but, um, you know, I, I just think in the cartoon, he, he too often was Crane's bitch. <laughs> perhaps, you know? perhaps. I mean, they had a plan, you know, Dimension X and all that good stuff. Yeah. And I mean, it's one of those things in the cartoon. It's just like, oh, you know, the Shredder is foiled every week. So, you know, it's not really, it, it, it doesn't seem as threatening. Whereas here, just like the, the look and, and the music and, and, and the actor, I, I think they did. Well, I mean, did, did an awesome job. Okay. Well, hold on though. But by extension though, I mean, so are you, are you saying like Skeletor is not a cool villain? Cause he was defeated every week by He-Man. I, it's not that I'm not saying that he's not a cool villain. I'm just saying that eventually it, it loses the threat. And yes, I mean, Skeletor is kind of a joke. <gasps> oh my God. Okay. All right. Hold on. <laughs> I have to collect myself. All right. So uh, this is, this is going to be hard for me because I like the Shredder as a villain quite a bit, uh, but in, in, to me, and maybe I'm just way off base and you, by all means, set me straight. I think the Shredder's a do-nothing in this movie. He stands around and barks a lot of orders, and he doesn't do jack shit. Uh, I mean, that that is true, but I think they're also building him up. 
And we do see at, at, at the end of the film that, I mean, he beats the turtles by himself. No member of the Foot Clan is able to do that. You know, I, I think he definitely kind of lives up to the hype. I guess. I don't know. I feel like it. <laughs> Plus, let me also say. Yeah, of course. They probably would have been smart to leave in a deleted scene. There is a deleted scene where um, he has a bunch of members of, of, I don't know if they're just the street toughs or if it's actual members of the foot come at him, like attack him, and he's sitting down, and he defeats them all while he's sitting down, and he fights them all at once. So maybe they would have been smart to leave that in, to kind of to show, like, no, this guy, this guy is serious and he means business. Yeah. Yeah. All right, I'm I'm okay with that. It sounds like there, it, it does sound like there's some really interesting deleted scenes for this mil, this movie, and I, I uh, was hoping I would have had a chance to check them out on uh, like on YouTube or something like that, but I did not have the opportunity to. But it's I'm, hard to find them. Yeah, I, I'm not surprised. I I don't know if they ever put them out on any of the DVDs or anything in, in later years or not. Um, I, 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 I've heard that the, that the, that the German Blu-ray has, I know it has like a director's commentary that it's only on the German Blu-ray. Mm -hmm. So maybe there's more stuff on that. On the, oh, the, okay. Yeah. I think, you know what? I think I read about the German Blu-ray as well. You're right. And I, you know, I guess, I guess I do have to give Shredder's, I, I, I maybe I, have to acknowledge that he did he does do a decent job at the end of fighting against the turtles but again i mean it's very one-on-one -on -one, which is like uh eh, you know if they all just win in unison there's you're telling me they're supposed to be a team work together right yeah sure i mean <laughs> I, I just, that's I, I know i listen I'm, I'm i'm poking holes in my own argument don't worry it's i understand exactly the, the under the reasoning why they did what they did and it, it works. You're right. Maybe maybe I'm just being hypercritical of, of the Shredder because I, I guess I just wanted more from him. I mean, I, I can I can see that. Uh, you know, I think as a kid, I definitely wanted more with him. But you know, I, uh, but I think that that was also me. Um, you know, really only knowing the cartoon. Do you? And go ahead. Go. Oh, sorry. No, I was just gonna say watching it again. Like yeah, I, th I, th I didn't think about it in terms of like, oh, this guy is like like a do nothing. I I felt like yeah, you know, like like they're building him up, they're saving him for for the climax of the film. Oh, he's much more of a do nothing in part two than in this one. I'll give you, I'll I'll I'll, I'll nod to that. I mean, what are you talking about? Did I he, mean, there's a scene in part two where he literally just stands there and watches the Foot Clan get defeated, and he's like two feet away from him and doesn't make a move at all to kick Leonardo in the head. Yeah, but doesn't he do that in the cartoon? <laughs> um, I, That's what I'm saying. Clown in the cartoon. <laughs> the Shredder and Skeletor are coming for you, buddy. They're going to hear this. Skeletor's a bitch. Whoa! Uh, let me ask you this question about the, about the Shredder, okay? All right. Do you understand what he wants in this movie? Not at all. Okay. Okay. Good. <laughs> okay. All right. If if, all, if all of a sudden you're about to like crack open his, his his machinations for what he's doing and why he's doing it, I was gonna you, you were about to blow my mind because I was like I was sitting there watching the movie. I was like I don't understand why he's doing any of this. 
I don't understand like, why look, he's the bad guy. I don't understand why the shredder became the shredder. I like I, sure. I I don't I I don't I don't understand how organized crime works. <laughs> I I imagine though that he is in the process of becoming some sort of crime lord mm-hmm. uh that by selling all these products that that he's stealing, he can make money and have influence perhaps uh, with other criminal organizations and take those organizations over and then perhaps wield some kind of political power or power over political people. Yes, it's very vague. It, it, it's very undefined. It, it is, I think, kind of the, the one thing that really stands out as like, I don't know what you're doing here, but okay. Yeah, I mean, even if it was just like a, like a throwaway line, is like one day we'll have all the money to build this machine to open a portal to Dimension X. I would have been like, oh, all right, now I get it. <laughs> I wish it was just one day we'll have all the money. <laughs> That's fine too. Or like like you said, like, I mean, you know, perhaps he just wants to be like the kingpin of New York or whatever. But it's, again, it's all just kind of vague and nebulous. And like, I, I guess I, yeah. I would have liked a little bit more time with the Shredder, kind of fleshing him out a little bit more. Sure. I mean, I understand I... it's a, it's a movie. And, uh, and a family movie. So it's it's going to be, you know, a 90-minute runtime. You have four Ninja Turtles, Splinter, April O'Neil, Casey Jones, that you got to kind of give enough parts to to make it worthwhile that they're in this flick. You know, so the villain's probably going to get left on the side a little bit. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, again, I, I, I think you can... I, I don't think it, it, it's a hard leap to uh, to just say, well, you know, he wants to be some kind of some kind of crime kingpin. And... Yeah. yeah, I mean, like it's it, it sort of inferred, but yeah, I just wish they we talked a little bit more about like what his plans were. Did he have uh, an eye on a real estate swindling in the West Coast, perhaps? Uh, you know, all these things would have been interesting to me. Yes, <laughs> yes. That's a Superman the movie reference for anyone not paying attention. Thank you very much. Uh, let's talk about what well, uh, Tatsu Berg, Tatsu Bill. <laughs> yeah, Tatsu. Otis Berg. Otis so Berg. Tatsu Berg. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, let's. So uh, there's an, a Foot Clan initiation. The 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 Shredder's giving one of those rah rah speeches. He, he's trying to make these these young boys feel like they're part of his family, kind of thing. And, yeah. and And so Danny steps forward to rat out the Ninja Turtles, lets them know that they're crashing with April O'Neil or whatever, and Wait, is well, that, no, it's not at April's let, house. No, they are because let let's specify because because when you when you talked about the subway scene, you didn't mention that Raph was followed, followed by a member of the yes. Foot Clan, and they abducted Splinter, and now the Turtles are staying at April's, April's place house. while yes. they try to find. Thank you. Uh, I I did yes. totally forget about that part of the story. Like, yeah, Splinter's a prisoner. That's what's going on. They're so they're kind of they're kind of a. Uh, leaderless at the moment without their their uh, adopted father figure with them you're right yes thank you my goodness how did i not have that in my notes bad bad notes bad notes anyways bad dates bad <laughs> exactly exactly so yes the foot clan descends on april's place big battle ensues Raphael on the rooftop this is it starts on the rooftop Raphael alone against the foot and he comes yeah. crashing through the skylight which i thought was a pretty cool scene Oh, it's great. Yeah, it's, that's pretty great. We, that's also when we see that apparently Casey Jones lives across town and hangs out on his roof, too, because he saw Raphael over there. So I, 
<laughs> Either way, it it is convenient. But I, I was wondering, I was like, does he live there? Was he out patrolling? I was I was trying to give the, the movie a little more credit than just like, yeah, he lives a few blocks away. But either way, it's convenient. But um, yeah. Yeah. So this leads into a big action sequence. Again, the turtles against the foot. Uh, and they're, you know, vastly outnumbered. They're in trouble. And, and Casey kind of swoops in, helps them get out of there. So the, yeah. they drag Raphael's beaten unconscious body out of there. Uh, and the, now they, uh, they, it's time to make for the country, right? This is, all, this is the farmhouse stuff. Yes. For me, and maybe it was just like the, the state of mind I was in at the time. Um, I get why they're doing what they're doing, but I felt like this movie it came to like a grinding halt with some of the stuff in the, in the, in the farmhouse sequence. I disagree. I, I I really liked it. I I thought we got some uh, some good character development. I I enjoyed it. So what my biggest problem with it is, and it's not the stuff with the turtles. The stuff with the turtles is fine. Like everything they're doing there makes sense to me. I I don't care for the April O'Neil Casey Jones romance story. I have zero interest in it at all. Don't give a damn. And uh, I, th- I, think I, almost, I liked it. I think there's almost zero chemistry between those two actors. I mean, maybe. I, I don't know, but I definitely didn't have a problem with it. I, I thought it worked. I See, I just, I'm like, I'm like, we're here to watch the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and not this other crap. But Casey Jones and April O'Neil have always mm-hmm. been like a thing. It just, just, I mean, even as a kid, it just felt like, like yeah, you do that. I they guess like their characters as well. I guess I mean I'm I'm not I'm you know I I don't I probably don't have a leg to stand on in in this in this argument. I just I didn't care for it. I, I think I think they had zero chemistry. It felt boring and and I was much more interested in the turtles exploring their feelings after what just happened. And you only get a little bit of that. And you you know you you try to get some of that like you get like April's analysis of the turtles th- via narration. Yeah, but it's you know it's it's kind of like pop psychology stuff. You know, it's it would it would have been more interesting for them to have com- more conversations about it themselves. I think. Um, I don't disagree with you in the sense that I I think the turtle like yes I would have liked to have spent more time with the turtles and again um, this is one of those sequences that my understanding is there was there's a ton of deleted scenes apparently. Yeah, there, there's a significant amount uh, deleted from this. And you can even tell, like, they, they changed um, certain things because they they wanted to develop the Michelangelo character a little bit more because at, at one point you you see one of the turtles on, on the roof of the barn and, and he screams Splinter's name. And you hear you hear Raphael's voice, but if you look closely... It's actually Michelangelo. I think that's on. If, if memory serves, that's like also like his only speaking part in the in the sequence, right? Like they cut all his other dialogue out, for, in, in, you know, in in those deleted scenes we referred to. I mean, I yeah, I, I mean, most of it most of it's done in montage anyway, so right. I don't I don't remember the turtles having too much talking going on. Yeah, um, it, it, I, other than Donatello's kind of bonding with with Casey Jones, but mm-hmm. um, so so yeah, I I agree with you. I I would have liked to have seen more development from the turtles, but I also don't have a problem with uh, the 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 Casey Jones April relationship. So 
Yeah, I don't know. I, I didn't like it. <laughs> Get it out of here. Get it out of my, my turtle soup. All right. But eventually Raphael recovers. The four brothers are reunited. Um, meanwhile, as they're preparing to return to the city, uh, uh, Danny has been spending time with Splinter. Kind of gets yes. to know what's really going on, who the Shredder actually is, and that, that he's a bad guy who killed Splinter's master. Yes. And, uh, and his lover, I believe, correct? Yes. Yes. So, yeah. The, uh, the, the, the secrets are revealed, I guess, is at this point, right? Yeah. And so now Danny's trying to help Splinter get away. They get caught. But this is also when, when Casey Jones and the Turtles are going to make their triumphant return. And uh, this is, yeah, we're welcome to the third act. Yeah, we're there. Talk about it. You like uh, like the whole fight scene? I mean, I like the third act. I think it's fun. I, I feel like we're very much back on track with this movie. I, I, I get the farm sequence. I wish it was done better. I, I, wish there, I think there was a better way to tell a, a, a more a th- through-line narrative than the way they did what they did. So I'll knock that part of it, but I like the third act quite a bit. I think the third act does does kind of step up and it, and it does deliver. I yeah, I I, I like the third act uh, quite a bit, but I it, just to go back to the farm sequence though, I, I I think the scene of the meditation around the campfire, I think it works very well. So. Yeah, no, 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 not everything's bad in there. Uh, mostly, you know, just I I don't really care. I I guess I just don't need April O'Neill's being the, my narrator, my point of view person. For, for that sequence, I I mean I don't disagree, but I guess again I I, I just kind of felt like well you know with, with her her news reports and in, in the first act I feel like it you know it's it, it's not something that that comes out of the blue I kind of I don't know I kind of enjoyed it and one other thing about the the April Casey relationship is maybe they felt like they had to throw something in there for the adults that were going to be taking their kids to to go see this yeah probably so probably was exactly something like that. One of the things that I noticed this time around with, with this most recent watching, and this is before I even started reading some of the some of the behind the scenes stuff, because I, I try to save my reading for after I've seen the movies, so that nothing's right. like tainted. But yeah. I I sort of got the impression in certain scenes and sequences that that Judith Hogue has no interest in being in this movie, and I think that rubbed me the wrong way. And it sounds like you disagree with me on that as well, which is fine. But I I just felt like there's times where she like doesn't want to be in this movie. I, I don't know. I I felt like she kind of gave it her all. Okay. All right. Yeah. That's just my read on the scene, and then I read the stuff in the back, you know, uh, behind the scenes, and I was like, oh, well, now maybe that makes more sense. Yeah. I mean, she might have been a pain in the ass, and maybe she didn't want to be there, but, you know, ultimately I, I, I thought she made a good April, so. Hey, well, fair enough. When we come back for Secret of the Ooze, we'll talk about New April and then see how that works out for us. All right. <laughs> so as the Turtles come back in, what really kind of helps kick off that third act is uh, uh, the, lair, the lair battle, right? They lure the foot back to their lair. And I like that battle sequence because the next thing you see is the foot running out of the sewers, coming out yes. of like all the grates and the manholes and all that stuff. I'm sorry, the people holes. Uh, I really liked that sequence. I thought that was a lot of fun to watch them kind of like running away from the turtles as they're kind of now operating at 100%. Yeah. Super, super fun sequence. Good stuff. Your boy uh, Tatsuo gets knocked out by a golf club. That's in the warehouse, though. That's, you know, again, That's we're, in the warehouse. we're kind of all over the place, but we're talking about the third act in overall. Yeah. But yeah, I, I like the turtles kind of take it back their lair, fighting the foot. Uh, 
and it it's very Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I mean, you work in a skateboarding scene, you know, all the stuff, all the stuff. Yeah. this. like all the every reason why kids became fans of the of the Ninja Turtles is right here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I think this is a third act that completely delivers on what it sets out to do. Yeah. And then again, you you kind of talked me into the the scene with Shredder being better than I remembered, and you're right, you're right. I was being harsh because I wanted to harsh on Shredder not having a real good plan. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean that's kind of the end of the movie, right? Like Shredder falls off uh, the building uh, thanks to Splinter. And, yeah, Splinter uh, is the one who defeats them. Yeah. Who defeats him and sends him into the back of a garbage truck. And Casey Jones murders him. And Casey Jones murders him. Not much awesome. is said about that, is it? It is awesome, hundred percent. And you tried to say he's not like Frank Castle. <laughs> I mean, look, uh, I, I think murder is a strong word when it comes to someone like Shredder. Well, like, you said it, did, not me. <laughs> nah, because it's funny. You know? <laughs> but yeah, he just straight up kills him, crushes him in the in the in the garbage truck, and it's like, yeah, fuck that guy. <laughs> fuck that guy and now all these uh, street toughs they have to go home to their parents I guess I don't you know I don't know I don't I don't know where the youth gone wild go when they can't go no. wild anymore yeah they're gonna go back to their abusive parents that they ran away from is that what the I guess that's the implication right that they're all from like broken homes and abusive families yeah I mean more or less you know it, you know, it doesn't have to be a, a broken family Per se, you know, it, it can just be that they are, you know, they just feel rejected by society in general for for whatever reason. Yeah, I mean that's that's often how the youth do spend their time. I understand. I I get that. Yeah. And of course, that uh, you know, this is also when Danny makes his resolution to be a better son, to have a better relationship with his dad, gives April uh, April the money that he stole, uh, yes. all that good stuff. So we get like a, a nice little family resolution as well. So hey, you know, lessons were learned, Mark. Lessons were learned. Lessons were learned. But, but, and and taught, they were taught by a, a talking rat. Yeah. As and all, get, as all good lessons should be. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I mean, listen, if, if there's a rat and he's going to talk to me, I'm going to listen. I'll be like, what's this rat going to tell me? This is, he's probably seen some shit. Literal shit. Yep. <laughs> Oh my God! You just got no time for that, do you? Well, I, you just always take it to a place. I'm like, I've got nothing more for that. <laughs> um, I don't know. How else do we wrap this up? I mean, we got, you know, Casey and uh, April are gonna do a little smoochy smooch. Sam Rocco yeah. rats out the 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 warehouse, you know, with all the goodies in it. So I guess everyone's going to go be a good person now, which is nice. And the turtles uh, celebrate, right? We get more yeah. of them uh, you know, saying uh, cool surfer slang. Yeah, well, we, we get the, 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 the cowabunga. We get the cowabunga. And is there not a better way to close out the movie than that? No, and if you've seen the deleted scene, the alternate ending, you definitely know there is not a better way to end this movie. I don't think I've seen this. Can you can you uh, elaborate? The alter the alternate ending is the, like it cuts from that scene on on the rooftop with the cowabunga to then uh, April and and Danny 
in the office of a comic book executive pitching him the idea for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And the this this executive is standing in front of his in, in front of his window in, in his skyscraper and you see the turtles appear outside the window looking in, listening. And he says it's too far fetched of an idea. And one of the turtles faints and uh, like catches himself on the ledge and it cuts to and it's Michelangelo and it cuts to him and he says, Too far fetched, sheesh. So the end. So is that filmed? Like that's a scene I can watch somewhere? You can find it on YouTube. It is on YouTube. Is the comic book executive played by Stan Lee? Thankfully, no. <laughs> Would have been pretty funny if it were. I mean, wouldn't it have been better if it was Eastman and or Laird? No, disagree. Hard uh, pass. No, of course it okay. would have been. Yeah. <laughs> did you also did, did you also catch the the location of, of, of the warehouse when Sam Rockwell gives it to the police? It's like Lairdman Island, so it's like the, the smash up of their names. I don't know if it was I, I thought because he said it's the East Warehouse on I thought he said Laird Island. I thought he said Laird, Laird Men. Like like it was Maybe it's Laird Men, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So like, like, smashing up uh East Eastman and Laird's names. Yeah. I thought I thought that was a nice little touch. No, of course. It's it, it's and it's a fun movie. Like like I said, I mean I, I tried to turn a critical eye to it. You weren't having any of it. <laughs> You're like, no, I, this is art. I, like I, I thought it was great. I, I, I think as for for a kids' film, I, I think it definitely stands up. And I think, um, I, you know, I, I don't think we give kids enough credit when we say things like, "Oh, this is too dark. Kids aren't gonna like it." Like, no, I think kids definitely do. I think they, I think they definitely take to that stuff. You know, I know I did, and it was one of the things I always liked about this movie. So. You know, I, I, I think the, I think the marriage of, of the two works pretty well in this. Like, yeah, there's a couple rough spots, but, but overall, I, 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 I think it's great. No, I, I really enjoyed the movie. I, I, like I said, I try to turn a critical eye to it. There are, there are things I can nitpick, but overall, it's a fun revisit. And and knowing that, I think the thing that I took mostly from this, from this most recent rewatch, is like. Oh, it's much more an homage to the comic book than the cartoon, which I think for the longest time I never really put that together. Okay. And so, so for me, that was that made my viewing of it. Uh, it it kind of gave it, it, it kind of gave it a different 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 uh, turn, if you, if you will. Sure. And and in, in that sense, and again, I still like the movie, but I think I like it now on a different level because I get, I'm like, oh, it's more faithful to the actual book than like the cartoon, which I think for the longest time is what I held it up against, you know? Right, yeah. You know, I mean, I remember us having discussions when we were kids after seeing the movie. We were like, why did they change Splinter's origin? And then like, now I'm like, well, yeah. So I, we wondered why they changed his origin. and then, But now I know that, like, no, they gave him his actual real origin. And I'm like, oh, well, that makes more sense. So it's like stuff that I had thought I knew about this movie for, you know, 30 years or so. I was like, oh, no, I, it, it's just a really faithful comic book adaptation. I had no idea because all I knew was the cartoon. And right. it's, it's like I said, so it, I, my appreciation for it's different now than it was. Like there is the, the nostalgia is still there 100%. Like you can't deny the nostalgia for it if you were a fan of this stuff. But I think now, like I said, with, with a more fuller understanding of the source material, because I have been going back and re- reading the original comics and, 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 and stuff like that, that I'm like, oh, now I have a more full picture of this movie than I did before. 
which sure. I think has been really nice. It's been it's made it really enjoyable. I tried to to point out some. Like I said, it's not it's not it's, it's a flawed movie. It still has flaws, but it's so fun and enjoyable at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Did I did I overstep anything? Did I say anything wrong there? Do you disagree about the flawed part? I, every movie has flaws. Um, you know, I I don't know if I like. I mean, we talked about it. I don't think it's as flawed as you do, but <laughs> that's that's fine. That's no, and, and again, I understand. I'm apparently I am the one who has to defend my position on this episode, which is fine. Well, it's okay. <laughs> well, no, and I, you know, I, I'll, again, I'll, I'll just add, like, I mean, I, I never really read the comics, so I mean, even watching it this last time, um, you know, I, like, I knew the comics were were darker than than the cartoon, but I still didn't have that that knowledge of, uh, you know, that this this is the actual origin of Splinter, um, but not having that knowledge, it still didn't rub up against me right no no no. agreed and it, it never rubbed against me too it was just always like a curiosity before it's like oh that's weird but okay the movie's still fun yeah and when you think about it, it actually kind of it, it, if you're going to get into the logic of a far-fetched world like <laughs> turtles, it, it makes a little more sense this way because in the cartoon it's just a man turns into Amato a rat. yoshi turns into a rat and it's like well why right because he hung around the rats in the sewers did he? Yes, that, the rats were his friends when he was like homeless in the sewer. Okay, all right. Okay, I forgot about that part. I mean, there there was a there was a, there was a cartoon logic to it, but again, yeah. The thing I've learned <laughs> since you know that I didn't know was like, oh, this is just really faithful to the the source material, and I have no problem with that. It it just it just changed my perspective a little bit on the movie. That's all, and I just wish the shredder was cooler. That's my biggest takeaway. It's like, I wish the Shredder was cooler. He should have a better plan, more clearly defined. Stop, yeah. stop living out uh, of warehouses. Uh, no, I, I mean, I, I, I don't disagree with You bring that. in Baxter Stockman. You bring in the Mousers. Come on. Make it happen. <laughs> Again, this is, this is the origin story. They, they, were, they were building up to something. Well, I mean, they... we'll, we'll talk about, you know, when, when we get to Secret of the Use, which now we have to get to, I mean, we'll we'll talk about yeah. uh, Toka and Razor versus Rocksteady and Bebop because I mean you have to have that conversation, right? <laughs> Mark, I have to I have to ask you a question, and I, I I'm gonna put you on the spot here, and I don't want you to feel embarrassed. I want you to know you're in a safe place, okay? Uh oh. Do you remember? Oh, Mark, do you remember any of the lyrics to the Ninja Turtles theme song from the animated series? Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which they repeat numerous times. Heroes in the Half Shell, Turtle Power, that's how it ends. Yes. I don't really remember much else. Okay, what if I were to start off and say, they're the world's most fearsome fighting team. I'll keep going. Nope. They're heroes in the half okay. shell, and they're green. When the evil Shredder attacks, these turtle boys... Don't cut him no slack. Can you hear it yet? Wow. Are you hearing the lyrics? Can you hear, can you hear the song in your head yet? No. <laughs> no, actually I'm not. What about Splinter taught them to be ninja teens? Leonardo leads, Donatello does machines. Which, that sounds weird. <laughs> Raphael is cool, <laughs> but rude. 
Michelangelo is a party dude. Okay. All right. I'm like I'm seeing the intro in my head, but I'm not. <laughs> And, and like, yeah, like the lyrics are matching the visuals that I'm seeing, but I'm still, I'm not hearing the song. Would you like to know who wrote this theme song, by the way? Absolutely. Chuck Lorre. Wow. Yeah, super, you know him now as TV mega super producer Chuck Lorre, creator of like the Big Bang Theory, yeah. Two and a Half Men, and all those things that he's done. Yeah, this is kind of how he got money. <laughs> he made the theme song for Ninja Turtles back in like 87. Is that why Charlie Sheen's character on Two and a Half Men was like a jingle writer? I suspect so, because when I heard the story, I was like, oh, now Two and a Half Men makes so much more sense. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah, some some fun facts. I can't believe that uh, I'm going to send you that the, the song. Because you need to hear it. Once you hear it, it'll all come back to you. Like there's just a dam in your brain right now holding it back. But I'm gonna crack that. I dam. just feel. I just feel like as a kid, I was always like, just interested in the animation. You know, it's like the the song didn't didn't really matter to me. I guess I don't know. I don't know. I mean, that's that song is like marketing 101, right? There, it's like just like, repeat the name over and over until everyone knows it. <laughs> it's like mission yeah. accomplished. <laughs> exactly mark you nailed it with that perfect thank you so much sweet you're welcome well i don't have anything else to say about this movie i, I again I, I apparently i have some more criticisms of it than you do but it, i still really really enjoy it you obviously still really really enjoy it i think we should urge the people to go revisit this and, and see what they think and let, and let us know if we're right or wrong or somewhere in between uh, yeah. like i said hopefully it's still on hbo max uh, if not, you know, you just go over to Mark's house. He's probably got the DVD. He'll let you borrow it. I don't. Oh, but right. well, he probably has the VHS. Never mind. But I mean, I I just watched it last night. So. <laughs> I'll, I guess when you're hearing this, it won't have been last night. So, if you okay. can't find it anywhere, go to Mark's house. He will reenact it for you. One person show. Eat your heart yep. out, Patrick Stewart. Yeah. <laughs> Mark, thank you so much for hanging out. This has been a lot of fun going down memory lane with you for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I, I will say it once again, and for anyone who's already forgotten the, the story at the beginning of the podcast, Mark wore the ultimate Michelangelo Ninja Turtles Halloween costume, homemade, with his own homemade nunchucks, by the way. Made That's those right. bad boys himself. Yep. He rocked it like a champion. He rocked it like a hurricane. Yes. <laughs> Sure. All right, Bart. Thanks for hanging out. I'll, I'll let you go before I just embarrass Sorry, you some more. It's just not a Scorpions fan. We, you know. Okay, should, I go back, should I go back to referencing Skid Row songs? Would you like that better? Yes. <laughs> 100% I would. All right. So I'll, I'll, I'll edit out um, calling them Street Tufts and calling them the Youth Gone Wild. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good song. It is a good song. And I mean, it looks like a, one of the, a couple of those kids look like look like they could have been in Skid Row, the band. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. All right, let's get the heck out of here, Mark. Thanks for hanging out, man. It's been a blast. I'm sure we'll be back on for more Halloween shenanigans, and uh, we'll talk then. All right, take it easy. All right. You too. Thank you for having me. Bye. Bye. I have always liked Kawabunga. Huh?
I made a funny! Oh, thank you, Master Splinter, for dropping the cowabunga for us. And that is our episode to kick off our Halloween spectacular, the spooktacular, if you will. And uh, yeah, we're doing it a little bit differently this way. Gotta mix it up, gotta throw some curveballs at you all. So this movie choice inspired by my brother's Halloween costume from, gosh, I wish I knew what year it was, 91, 92, something along those lines. And it was impressive. I'm going to try very, very hard to find a photo of that and get it uploaded for everyone to see because it's pretty darn impressive. But yeah, we're talking about 1990s Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And I know I tried to uh, have a different track with, with my brother in our conversation. I wanted to kind of talk about some of the film's shortcomings, some of the plot difficulties, maybe some of the acting choices that weren't my favorite. Uh, but Mark was shutting me down left and right. And and uh, really, I just did that for the conversation. But I really do enjoy this movie. I think it's a lot of fun. If you're in our age group, in our age bracket, I think going back and watching this movie again uh, will be a delight to you. But maybe I'm wrong. And if you go back and watch it again and you think that we are a couple of uh, nostalgic boneheads, by all means, reach out. Let us, let us know that uh, we have erred. And then tell us why we have erred. And you know how to get a hold of us. We are on the social media at Tomcast Popcast, Twitter and Instagram. You can email the show at TomcastPopcast at gmail.com. Finally, another reminder to please make sure you're liking, subscribing, and sharing the show with all your friends, family, loved ones, and people who live in the sewers with turtles. They, they need to hear this episode in particular. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please, by all means, a five-star review is so insanely helpful. Uh, we also have the incredible members of Pophead Nation that we have to thank one more time. Thank you to our current Patreons. The Aspen Hill Chody, The Batman of Bay Park, Jeff Nail, Jeff, co-host in the ring here. Check them out. Thanks to Evil Circle, the evilest of all circles, especially this time of year. The Squidmaster General, Mr. Brian Broussard, the New Jersey Devil, Mark Wegemer, our very own Joker and Harley Quinn, Brian and Krista of Pariah Brewing Company here in San Diego, coming soon to Baltimore. They're now hiring. And of course, the Beer Hop Brigado General, Jesus Beer Hops. Thank you all so much for being official members of Pophead Nation. If you're interested in signing up becoming an official member, head on over to patreon.com forward slash TomCastPopCast, join the nation, and gain access to bonus content. All right, this year for Halloween, we're doing things a little bit differently. In years past, we've talked about some of our favorites uh, that, that sort of uh, personify the genre of horror and, and scary movies. Uh, but I think this year we wanted to do something a little bit different. We wanted to, to watch some of our, still some of our favorite movies. Uh, but these are movies that kind of... Uh, examine the genre of horror, sort of take and twist the tropes of the genre, sort of put a lens, a little microscope up to a horror film and examine the pieces and what makes it work and why, and, and starts to kind of pull the layers of the onion back on the storytelling in, in a horror film. So we're going to get into some really, really interesting stuff, some really good movies that I think most people have seen by and large, but there may be a few gems in there that you aren't 100% familiar with and we're going to get into those, and it's going to be a really nice Halloween season here on the show. If you live in a place where the, where the leaves are changing and falling, uh, you're getting ready to walk the streets with your, with your pumpkin-shaped basket collecting candy, these are the podcasts you're going to listen to while you're going from house to house. It's going to keep you entertained and delighted all Halloween season long. So thanks for sticking around. Thanks for tuning in. New listeners, welcome aboard. Hope you've had a good time. Hope you will continue to join us for future episodes. And of course, welcome back to our longtime listeners. We couldn't be here without you, without your love and support. So thank you so very much. Let's do it. Let's wrap it up. Let's get out of here. Happy Halloween, everybody. All month long, it's Halloween every day here on the podcast.
Get ready. All right, I'm Tom. This is <laughs> I'm Tom. Let's be done. Ciao, babes. the tribe drops its third straight on this trip six to one to the rangers for the indians one run on let's say one hit that's all we got one goddamn hit you can't say goddamn on the air don't worry nobody's listening anyway great story compelling and rich we're not gonna be fucking sunk this year we're the stanley cup champions